0: Growing in God's Word and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh.
1: When the focus becomes about me, that it's what I want, or it's not fair to me, or it's what I think, or it's what I want to plan, or it's what my future is, with very little regard to what God thinks, that's pride.
0: Most of us are aware that everyone is a sinner. The Bible says in Romans 6.23 that all have sinned and come short of God's standard. But have you ever stopped to think about what is the cause or the root of all sin? The problem Is pride against God? I'm Rick Freeman. Welcome to Crosswalk. Today we're continuing our series entitled Daniel Unshakable Faith Unbreakable Promise. Pastor Clay has been taking us through the book of Daniel and we've already seen examples of Daniel and his friends' unshakable faith and several examples of God's unbreakable promise. Well, today we come to chapter 4 and the record of how God humbled a king who thought too much about himself and not enough about the true God.
1: This is the same guy that said to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they refused to bow down. And what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? This is the same guy. And now in chapter four, he's writing an open letter declaring the absolute sovereignty of this very God who one chapter before he'd been saying, well, God can deliver you out of my hands. I mean, this dude is different.
0: So, if you have access to a Bible, open it up to chapter four of Daniel and follow along with us. Here's Pastor Clay with today's message about the problem, the solution, and the result. Thanks for joining us. I lead to the
1: cross. Has anybody in here? Uh, has anybody in here ever gone crazy? Do you know what I'm talking about. You ever had one of those moments? Yeah. Why are all husbands looking at their wives? At this, at this moment. Why why is why is that? You know what I'm saying? You ever had just one of those moments where you just, man, I really lost it. I don't know what happened to me, but I lost it. I just kind of lost my mind. Uh, some of you know that I uh, had a career in the postal service before I went into ministry. And, you know, we've all heard the jokes, right, about, you know, hey, don't go postal on us or whatever. Because uh, you, you always hear a lot of times, seems like the number of, uh, you know, Shooters and stuff like that have come out of a post office <laughs> background. I, it's hard. It's a hard job. It's all I can tell you. Is it? So one day at the office, uh, one of our carriers came in. Right, uh, city carrier. He's got the blues on. He's dressed. And he's got and and uh, you know how carriers that if y'all ever noticed it not, but postal carriers have that have that chain like thing. You know, that little chain. Y'all ever seen that chain hanging down? Y'all probably thought that was just you know, stylish or something, but uh, that chain has a key on it, and the key unlocks uh, boxes where multiple uh, post office boxes are, where they deliver mail, maybe it's apartment complex, or maybe they're picking up mail, but that's what that chain is for, and so uh, this this guy comes in, one of our carriers comes in, and you could tell as soon as he came in the back doors, you know, he pushed the doors open, and you could just tell he's kind of aggravated or frustrated, y'all know that, y- y'all ever seen that on anybody, you've seen aggravated, frustrated, kind of, whatever? Well, he, he was that way. You could tell he was that way. And the longer he was in there, the, you, the more this guy just was getting worked up. You could tell. And, uh, and I was, you know, sitting in my little case sorting letters, you know. And I was kind of watching the guy in the corner of my eye because I'm thinking, this guy's going to lose it. I don't know what's going on, but he is going to lose it. And so, sure enough, uh, he gets ready to clock. They have to clock, uh, clock back in when they come off their route so that they know how long they're out on the route, and they clock out when they leave. So he comes over to the clock, and he's, he's you know, kind of trying to punch the clock, but at the same time, he's trying to pull his chain out, because he's got to turn that key in, he can't take it with him. He's trying to take that key, and it won't, it won't come out. I mean, it's stuck, or well, I don't know what the deal was. Loses it, the dude loses it. I mean, he goes postal. I mean, he didn't kill anybody, but I'm pretty sure if he'd have stayed in there, he would have. And so finally, he says, he's like, oh, he's pulling on this chain, he's, <laughs> stuff and he says, oh, oh, "I got to get out of here!" And he runs out the door, disappears. <laughs> he did come back the next day. Uh, I guess things went all right, but um, losing it, going crazy—well, like most of us at some point can say, "Man, I kind of identify with that." I want to tell you the story. I want to read you the story about a guy that went crazy and what God was doing in that. Uh, Daniel chapter four is where we are in our series. I'm going to read uh, the entire text to you. It's kind of lengthy, but I'm going to read it to you this morning uh, because you just, that's just the way this is. This is what's considered a narrative portion of uh, the text, and you just, you just get, really need to hear the, the whole thing today. Daniel chapter 4. Uh, the text will be up on the screen, but uh, if you brought a Bible, please open that, uh, whether it's hard copy or uh, digital or whatever the case may be. Thank you guys for being here today. Listen to this. Nebuchadnezzar, the king... To all the peoples, nations, and men of every language that live in all the earth, may your peace abound. It has seemed good to me to declare the signs and wonders which the Most High God has done for me. How great are His signs and how mighty are His wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and His dominion is from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream, and it made me fearful. And these fantasies, as I lay on my bed, and the visions in my mind kept alarming me. So I gave orders to bring into my presence all the wise men of Babylon, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. (laughs) We've heard of this before, haven't we? Then the magicians, the conjurers, the Chaldeans, and the diviners came in, And I related the dream to them, but they could not make its interpretation known to me. But finally, Daniel came in before me, whose name is Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, and in whom is a spirit of the holy gods. And I related the dream to him, saying, O Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, since I know that a spirit of the holy gods is in you, and no mystery baffles you, tell me the visions of my dream which I have seen." "...along with its interpretation. Now these were the visions in my mind as I lay on my bed. I was looking, and behold, there was a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew large and became strong, and its height reached to the sky, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its foliage was beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the sky dwelt in its branches." And all living creatures fed themselves from it. I was looking in the visions in my mind as I lay on my bed. And behold, an angelic watcher, a holy one, descended from heaven. And he shouted out and spoke as follows. Chop down the tree. Cut off its branches. Strip off its foliage and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts flee from under it and the birds from its branches. Yet leave the stump with its roots in the ground but with a band of iron and bronze around it, in the new grass of the field. And let him be drenched with the dew of heaven, and let him share with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man, and let a beast's mind be given to him. And let seven periods of time pass over him. This sentence is by decree of the angelic watchers, and the decision is a command of the holy ones, in order that the living may know that the Most High is ruler over the realms of mankind, and bestows it on whom he wishes, and sets over it the lowliest of men. This is the dream which I, Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now, you, Belteshazzar, tell me its interpretation, inasmuch as none of the wise men of my kingdom is able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for a spirit of the holy gods is in you. And then Daniel whose name is Belteshazzar, was appalled for a while as his thoughts alarmed him. The king responded and said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation alarm you. Belteshazzar replied, My lord, if only the dream applied to those who hate you and its interpretation to your adversaries. The tree that you saw, which became large and grew strong, whose height reached to the sky and was visible to all the earth, and whose foliage was beautiful and its fruit abundant, and in which was food for all under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and whose branches the birds of the sky lodged? It is you, O king, for you have become great and grown strong, and your majesty has become great, and reached to the sky and your dominion to the end of the earth. In that the king saw an angelic watcher, a holy one, descending from heaven, and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, yet leave the stump with its root in the ground but with a band of iron and bronze around it in the new grass of the field. And let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him share with the beasts of the field until seven periods of time pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. And this is the decree of the Most High, which is to come upon my Lord, the king, that you be driven away from mankind and your dwelling place be with the beasts of the field. And you be given grass to eat like cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven. And seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whom he wishes. And in that it was commanded to leave the stump with the roots of the tree, your kingdom will be assured to you after you recognize it is heaven that rules. Therefore, O king, may my advice be pleasing to you. Break away now from your sins by doing righteousness and from your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, in case there may be a prolonging of your prosperity. All this happened to Nebuchadnezzar the king. Twelve months later, he was waiting on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. The king reflected and said, Is this not Babylon the great, which I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, A voice came from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared, sovereignty has been removed from you, and you will be driven away from mankind, and your dwelling place will be with the beasts of the field. You will be given grass to eat like cattle, and seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whomever he wishes." Immediately the word concerning Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled and he was driven away from mankind and began eating grass like cattle and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. But at the end of that period, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised up my eyes toward heaven and my reason returned to me and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored Him who lives forever." For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, but he does according to his will in the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of earth. And no one can ward off his hand or say to him, what have you done? At that time, my reason returned to me And my majesty and my splendor were restored to me for the glory of my kingdom. And my counselors and my nobles began seeking me out. So I was reestablished in my sovereignty and surpassing greatness was added to me. Verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the King of heaven. For all his works are true and his ways just. And he is able to humble those who walk in pride. Father, uh, that that's an amazing story. And it's probably one we don't immediately think of when we think about the book of Daniel. We think about dreams and there's certainly lots of dreams and interpretations in the book of Daniel. We think about the lion's den and we we think about the fiery furnace, but here in chapter 4 we hear the account of a man who was great and mighty in the sight of men. But There was a lesson that he needed to learn. And so I pray today as we walk through just a little bit of this text and talk about uh, the truth from Daniel chapter 4, that you would apply it to my life. First and foremost, Father, I, I need this. I need to know the truth of this. And I ask it for the people gathered in this room and the people perhaps who would be watching or listening, that you would help us to understand who you are, your greatness, and what your plans are that we might bring honor and glory to you, and that our lives and our eternities might be radically different as a result of it. In Jesus' name, amen. It is a long story, I know. Thank you for bearing with me the reading of the entire text, but it's important to kind of get the context in there and understand uh, this entire idea. And we're not going to get all the way through. If you're, if you're a note taker and you're looking at the back of your outline, we're not going to get all the way through the outline today. We're just going to get really to the first uh, part of it. But uh, I want to start today uh, with uh, this idea. Here's the first thing that you need to recognize today. The problem is pride against God. I know I just read a lot to you, but uh, I'm going to back up. I'm going to read verses 2 and 3 again to you, this time from the New Living Translation. Uh, But but the problem, ladies and gentlemen, the problem, listen to me, the problem is pride. Uh, Daniel chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. I want you all to know about the miraculous signs and wonders the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how powerful are his wonders. His kingdom will last forever. Now, do you guys remember, I'll I'll finish it just a second. Do you remember just a chapter ago, if you've been in this series, remember just a chapter ago, Nebuchadnezzar built a a statue of himself to himself, a golden statue as a way to symbolically say, my kingdom will last forever. It's not going to be taken over by another. His kingdom will last forever, his rule through all generations. My first question would be, having you know been working through this text and studying the life of Nebuchadnezzar, my first question would be, who are you and what did you do with Nebuchadnezzar? Because this dude is different. Something has happened that has changed this guy. And what follows in chapter 4, what I just read, is an account of what occurred that changed him. Remember, this is the same guy that back in chapter 3 ordered that a statue be built, like I just said, of him, to him. This is the guy that demanded that, that every person in his realm bow down and, and worship that idol. In essence, worship him as their God. This is the same guy that said to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they refused to bow down. And he said, and what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? This is the same guy. And now... In chapter 4, he's writing an open letter, apparently sent to the far reaches of his realm. Apparently sent to the entire uh, civilized world at that time, which is pretty much what Babylon controlled. An open letter declaring the absolute sovereignty and majesty of this very God who, one chapter before, he'd been saying, Well, God can deliver you out of my hands. I mean, this dude is different. Something's happened, something's changed. Now, uh, just so you know, uh, a lot of Bible students, students of the Bible, believe that uh, possibly as much as 20 or 30 years have passed from the fiery furnace experience in chapter 3 to what we just read about in chapter 4. That maybe, perhaps as much as, as 20 to 30 years have passed, it's it's hard to really know, historically, how much time has passed. But what is what we are able to know is this. This guy is different. Something has changed him. You see, Nebuchadnezzar, at least prior to what we read about in chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar has a problem, and the problem is pride. You see, Nebuchadnezzar is a product of his nature. Nebuchadnezzar has a sin nature, and that nature within Nebuchadnezzar drives him to self-centeredness. That nature causes Nebuchadnezzar to, to want my, what I want, when I want it, the way I want it, how I want it. And nobody has a right to tell me any differently. I am the exalted ruler of my kingdom. I am the one that says what goes. It is his sin nature that, that takes him in that direction. It just, he, he just is a sinner by nature. But Nebuchadnezzar is also a product of his culture. Now, think about this. You're surrounded by people who immediately upon your presence, they bow to the ground. Every wish, every command merely has to be spoken, and it's done. Some pretty heady stuff, right? Right? That could make anybody kind of, yeah, who's the man? Oh, wait, it's me. His culture promoted that idea of who he was. And listen, uh, pride, certainly outward pride is an easy thing to spot, right? I mean, it's easy to see Nebuchadnezzar's outward pride. This is the guy that said, "Uh, you'll interpret my dream or I'll have you torn limb from limb and your houses turned into rubbish heaps. By the way. Uh, that 's a threat that he used two or three times in the Book of Daniel. It uh, must have been a popular one back then for kings uh, and, and I may have said this before, but what strikes me about that is um, why even add that whole stuff about tearing your houses down, turn them into rubbish sheep I mean once you 've been torn limb from limb, does it really matter what he does to your house at that point i 'm not even sure, but anyway that that kind of outward egotism and pride and and it 's about me that 's easy that 's easy to spot, right. Uh, any person that, that wants the focus to be on him or her, that it's all about him or all about her, and, and that person wants everybody else to, to recognize and to know that it's all about him and all about her. That kind of, uh, of pride, that kind of egotism is easy to spot. Today we might, we might call it uh, uh, Kardashianism. Did I just say that? I did. You know what I'm saying? That, that, that's easy to spot. But can I tell you this? Pride can also be inward. It may not be as overt. It may not be as out, oh, they're bragging. Oh, they're, look, they're putting on a show. Oh, okay, that's easy to spot. But pride can be inward, ladies and gentlemen. When the focus becomes about me, that it's what I want, or it's not fair to me, or it's what I think, or it's what I want to plan, or it's what my future is, it's about me, it's about what I, With very little regard to what God thinks or would want for your life. That's pride. And pride is the problem, ladies and gentlemen. It's pride against God. Because basically, it sets us up as the center of our own universe. And breaking news, it's not our universe, and we certainly are not the center of it. It's pride. Pride was the problem for Nebuchadnezzar. Can I tell you this? Pride has always been the problem. Remember, you got to expand, okay? You're you're thinking about what pride is. It's not just, "Woo, look at me. Uh, I can dance like John Travolta." <laughs> it's it's not it's not just that, okay? It's it's what's going on in here and and what what am I thinking about, you know, what I deserve or what I think or what what this or that or or, or whatever else. That's pride as well. When I uh, growing up in my neighborhood, uh, um Mark Tenniswood was the richest kid in our neighborhood. Uh, his dad was a dentist. And uh, they had a big house with a swimming pool right on Taylor Creek. And um, so, you know, he was the richest kid in our neighborhood. Everybody knew it. Mark certainly knew it. Wanted to make sure everybody else knew it. Now, Mark was a few years younger than most of us who hung around together. But his dad owned the vacant lot beside his house that we had made a baseball field on. And so we kind of had to let Mark hang out with us. But... But Mark, Mark had the best, everybody knew, Mark had the best of everything, right? Mark had the nicest house, that was, that was clear. We were never allowed to swim in that pool either. I don't know what the deal was with that. We weren't allowed to swim in that pool. He, had the, he clearly had the nicest house. His family clearly drove the nicest car. Mark had the nicest bike. He had the, he had the nicest, everybody understood that. And like I said, Mark was, made sure that you, that you knew that. And anything else, if, if, you, uh, if you went on a, on a trip somewhere... Mark had been somewhere better. If you got to do something unique, Mark had already done it and done it better. What's weird about it is that even stuff that doesn't necessarily apply to money or pertain to money, he, he, he still, you know, like if you said, man, I've been practicing basketball, I, shot, I, shot, I made 20 free throws in a row. Anybody watch the games tonight? Some, some games or something on tonight? I made 20 free throws in a row. Mark would have made, he would claim he made 25. It didn't matter. Whatever it was, it, it, it's pride. It's just, it's just, it's just this... An, this, this nature and this culture that has developed this idea that, it's, that it has to be all about me. And it's always been the problem. Let's go all the way back to the very first sin ever committed. Y'all know the very first sin ever committed. Isaiah chapter 14, God is talking to Lucifer. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God and I will sit on the Mount of Assembly in the recesses of the north. What's he saying? I'm going to take God's place. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself, watch this, like the Most High. Well, I would never do that. I would never make myself like the Most High. Watch out now. How about the first sin ever committed on earth? Genesis chapter 3. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, watch this, your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God. There it is again. Knowing good and evil. Watch, when the woman saw that the tree, when the woman, <laughs> just kidding, <laughs> i just kidding, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, see, can you could just, that's just pride, it's just dripping from that. She took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her. And he ate. By the way, since I made that statement, I better stop here and say, Adam's responsibility was to step up and protect his wife, physically, spiritually, in every way. Adam should have stepped up and said, "Get, get, get back, Eve. Get behind me." Let me tell you something. That is not what God said, and that is not. That's what he should have done. So, it's the dudes. It's the dudes' fault. Anyway, I figure something. Ladies, any y'all amen that? Did any y'all? Say? Yes. All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> Listen, God does not, you got to understand, we're talking about pride. Pride is something that really ultimately is against God. Look what Scripture has to say about it. Look at Psalm 75, uh, verse 5. Do not lift your horn up high. Do not speak in your pride. Maybe you've seen this one, Proverbs 16, 18. Pride leads to destruction. A proud attitude brings ruin. How about this one, Proverbs uh, 21, verse 24. Proud, haughty, scoffer are his names. The person who acts with insolent—what's the word? Say it. Pride. How about New Testament? How about First uh, John chapter two? For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life—it's not from the Father, but from the world. Listen, I, I don't—I don't know who this—I don't even know who this dude was. I came across this quote. I don't even know who he was, but I absolutely agree uh, with John Ruskin when he says, in general, pride is at the bottom of all great mistakes. I'm telling you, you look at your life, you look at the places where you feel like you've blown it or you've gotten off track or whatever, it, it's always going to come back to something within yourself, some, some decision you made, something that, where God is left out of the equation. And it, it, I'm telling you, in my life, that's what it's been. I was thinking this morning about a good, good friend of mine uh, that I used to serve under in the ministry. Uh, he was pastoring a, a church in in Tennessee, and it was, it was a nice church. And, and he'd been there a few years, and and he got the call in, in the ministry world. You know, he gets get the call. He got the call from a much larger church to come and serve at that church. And it was it was nice. It was much bigger. Came with a much bigger paycheck. Quite honestly, it had. A, <laughs> I'll never forget. Uh, Paul showed showed me pictures of this place. Had this magnificent uh, sanctuary they had just built. And, and uh, the pastor had been there, been there a long time, and the pulpit, you know, it had a pulpit, you know, like right in the center, right, you know what a pul- pulpit is, a, something you stand and preach behind, or something that some preachers stand behind, uh, The it, it pulpit, you know what I'm saying? It had a pulpit sitting right there, and they had put a, a skylight in the roof directly above it, like this shafted skylight, so this just this shaft of light, boom, shot down on the <laughs> on the pulpit and on the pastor as he stood to proclaim the word of God, that was awesome. And listen, can I tell you this? This is my buddy, and and he would say that I believe Paul would say this. He'd be unafraid to admit this. Paul said, "My wife said something. This is not. I don't. I don't think God is in this. I don't think this is what God has for us." But they went, and it, I, I can't even give you all the details. But it, it it was ugly. It got very very ugly very very quickly, and. um and they weren't there very long before they were run out the door and lots of bad stuff happened. I know you find it hard to believe in church that bad stuff would happen, but, but it did. The, the point is it's pride, right? It's pride. And listen, folks, it, it, can, it just happens. And I, I, let me, I got to move on real quick. I got to close this. But let me just say to you, you probably already know this, but you don't have to be the ruler of a vast empire or a dentist or a pastor to struggle with pride. Any of us can have a problem with it at times in our lives. Now listen, think about this in our culture. We live in a culture today that comes down heavy on the side of self. You correct me if I'm wrong, but it comes down heavy on the side of self. I'm telling you, the the, the number one morality in our culture today is entitlement. I I, de- I deserve to have this. I deserve to have life my way. I deserve to to get this or, or or climb the corporate ladder or or have the big house or I deserve this or I deserve that, and it's my right to have these kind of things, and and it's what I it's it's what I ought to have. It's pride. It's all that is. And and listen, it's, some of y'all are gonna have a hard time hearing this because you, you've been so uh, you've been so trained by our culture to to kind of shy away from this when I say it. But can I tell you what the Bible says the only thing you and I deserve is? Hell. Hell is the only thing that you and I deserve. Because all of us have this sin nature. We have sinned against God by our nature. And we have sinned against God by our choice. And it's what we deserve. Now, listen to me. I didn't say it's what God wants for us. As a matter of fact... Uh, I will I will state plainly, as I believe his word does, that it God is not desiring, God is not willing that any should perish. Look at Ezekiel chapter 18. Do you think that I like to see wicked people die? Says the sovereign Lord, of course not. Well, of course not. Do you, you think this is just some sort of cosmic chess game I'm playing up here and I you're all just a bunch of rooks and I don't care what happens, pawns, I don't care what... Of course not. I want them to turn from their wicked ways and live. John three sixteen. you guys probably know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Whether you're born in America or born in Haiti or born in China or born wherever. How about Second uh, Peter the chapter 3? Uh, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, for all to come to repentance. I I genuinely believe that, folks. But I'm just saying what we deserve is separation, eternal separation from God. That's what Nebuchadnezzar deserved in his arrogance, in his pride. And God would have been fully justified to leave him in that arrogance and in that pride and in that sin. But he didn't. Next week, we're going to pick it up and look at how God worked in this thing and the solution that he brought we're going to look at it next week but i want to close by giving you this sometimes around here at cross culture we have something we call i haven't done it in a while but we have something we call a bp squared a big picture biblical principle that's kind of the overarching idea of a particular passage or in this case i wanted to give you it to you this week and we'll we'll talk more about it next week pride is the problem but here here, here's what we need to understand here's the big picture biblical principle from daniel chapter 4 ladies and gentlemen there is a god and i'm not him that's what you and i have to understand Now, before you say, well, of course I know I'm not him. We'll talk more about this next week. But before you just automatically, well, I know I'm not God. I want you to think about decisions that you make in your life. And how much God is included in those decisions or even considered in those decisions. Problem is pride. God has a solution. We'll look at it next week.
0: Well, there you have it. Nebuchadnezzar's problem can be the same problem we can have, the problem of pride. As Pastor Clay explained, it's easy to spot outward pride, but pride begins on the inside when we put ourselves ahead of God in our lives. God's solution was to bring some pretty severe pruning into Nebuchadnezzar's life, but it was God's love and compassion for Nebuchadnezzar that caused him to do it. The same is true in our lives. As we heard Pastor Clay say today, not everything hard that comes into our lives is God's pruning. But we need to be aware of our lives, and if God is perhaps doing some pruning in our lives. In the end, Nebuchadnezzar was restored, but he had learned that his greatness wasn't for his glory. It was for God's. And the same is true for us. As the Apostle Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 6.20, For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. We're glad you spent some time with us for this week's Crosswalk. Each week, Pastor Clay opens the Bible and brings out its exciting and practical truths to apply to our everyday lives. Cross-Culture Church is a new church in North Raleigh, but instead of religion, we're about relationships, and instead of rituals, we practice realness. We meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7, and we welcome anyone and everyone who is looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture Church, we experience the liberating, satisfying, life-changing power of the cross. And it's our desire to bring that power to a culture in need of freedom, hope, and joy. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning. We'll save a seat for you. I'm